0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. You are tuned in to the Urban Conservative. My name is Chaz Neal, an activist based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, and with me today, um, we're being brought to you today by the Leon Black Independent Media. Uh, as well, I have John Tell with me, who is producer, co-host. Uh, and today we have a special uh, guest who is uh, based out of uh Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, and is in the process of making a, a documentary, uh, They Sleep Among Us. Um, I'm I'm honored to bring him on here to to talk about not only his documentary, but as well as of who you are and the work that you have done um and what you are continually out here doing so thank you for being a guest today aaron and it's a pleasure
1: hey thanks a lot for having me you know i was just saying a moment ago thank you both for putting this all together and um i'm appreciative to have this opportunity to share some of my thoughts and kind of what i've been seeing out in these streets you know
0: no definitely appreciate it because there's you know we all have um and, and that's what i want the urban conservative to be that's what the Leon black is about is giving people a voice that don't think that they're they're heard uh because we all have voices regardless of whatever side of it that we we may be politically uh we all have a, a voice so and, and and they all need to be heard um so let, let's let's get into Aaron Johnson you know um You know i were don't exactly remember um when we met um but i I remember have seeing you constantly uh not only at what we're going to talk about today with uh encampment evictions but also uh police brutality marches and events um standing up for i remember uh, i wasn't out there but prior lake we're going to talk about that a little bit today as well um even with you know uh, Winston Smith, the uh, Lao Aid, but you also do um, a lot for trans and and, and disability uh, rights. And I, I love the way that you've always been a form of, informative with the way that you uh, put out your content. And that's one thing that I've always have appreciated about you is the way that you put out your content is because it's. Thank you if you put it out there because it's easy to learn you know uh and that's one thing that i really wanted to get into uh talking about today as well is the move from you know being uh, an activist and going to you know journalism because there's a big difference uh, a little
1: bit so yeah for sure um you know, I was just thinking about just something I heard you mention along the way. Um, thank you so much for calling me. That's like the highest compliment to me is to say that I'm informative because I never really set out to be a journalist per se. You know, I'm. Uh, I grew up by what is now George Floyd Square, and I'm from a culture that isn't necessarily college. Centric. I mean, you know, I grew up in South Minneapolis and we got the police visiting us from age eight, you know, third grade is the first time I can remember. They come in to say, you know, don't do crime. You're going to get caught. You know, this was the era. This was like the early nineties, you know, I mean, I was in 1990, I was eight. So, um, you know, there was a lot of young kids starting to be involved in, like, gangs and stuff, you know. So, like, a lot of the focus when I was coming up was just keeping us scared of the police and um, looking at the military for options, you know what I'm saying, after school and or to be able to reach school, you know, college, continuing an education. Like, I'm just not from a culture that encourages college the same way. A lot of people typically can be so that said i never went to journalism school or you know any of that um and i just started showing up in the streets when everything happened um having grown up right where i did and seeing cup foods and everything that happened right in front of it man it hit different it really hit different um and you know also it's like, if you're not familiar with my story, there's like so much that goes into this that I don't want to get totally derailed. But to shorten it a lot, I had just become disabled from the neck down. Um, I had just moved back to South Minneapolis from L.A., where I was living at the time when I became disabled. And, um, and the pandemic had just hit, and I was hiding from the pandemic because I was newly disabled, and now there's this thing that's killing disabled people. And um, so, like... When that all happened, it was just so much at once. And I really experienced um, a lot of what was happening in my community through Unicorn Riot, through Georgia Fort, through, um, you know, King D, through King Demetrius, Lissa Media. You know, all of those really brought me in Mercado. I can't not mention Mercado. So, like, a lot of those brought me in to being able to be in touch with what's going on in the streets because i was just listening to it all exploding through the walls laying in a bed kind of like myself burning a molten hole in my mattress because i was so pissed but i couldn't move or do anything so i just really like that's it it became you know just such a part of my story and so when i did come back out into this world um you know like when i when i became disabled was december 9th 2019 so just to kind of put some context into um, when I went into isolation, I was disabled from the neck down. So I lived in a hospital. I lived in a nursing home for a total of about two and a half months. And I had to escape the nursing home because it was very bad, neglected stuff. Um, That's why I came back to Minneapolis. Anyway, I went into isolation December 9th, 2019, and I came out around the time Derek Chauvin was about to get convicted and Dante Wright had just been killed. I was still in isolation when Dante Wright happened. And, um, I just came out into the world and just started taking pictures of everything, man. Everything was fascinating to me. The neighborhood I grew up in was now the ground zero of the civil rights movement. And it was like a stage, like the whole world had eyes on this neighborhood I grew up in. And I had new friends in New York asking me about cub foods. And I was like, no, cup foods. And, you know, it was the first time I'm having this conversation with people across the country. So which if you're local that's like a kind of a thing here um right. so anyways when i came out in the world i just started documenting everything and also i i wanted to convey messages that i was hearing to other white people who maybe didn't have access to be in the streets or you know for whatever reason and i also wanted to convey what was happening to my friends in new york and la two cities that i spent to combine 15 years living in because they were not seeing on the news what was actually happening here especially with things like you know, the military, uh, during Dante Wright, uh, I can't remember the name of safety net. Oh, Operation so, safety net. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just to kind of say, that's how I got into it. You know, I never set out to be a journalist per se. I just wanted to help inform people. Of what was really going on, you know?
0: No. And that's the, you know, you bring up, um, unicorn riot, you bring, you know, you brought up Mercado, um, who wasn't really just really grabbed his phone and basically right. got out there and wanted to experience. Uh, I don't think a lot of us chose the, um, professions that we, 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 um, chose from seeing the, the George Floyd video, you know, uh, I know for me, I just wanted to, I grew up in that area as well. You know, um, in thirty on thirty fourth and park actually. Right, um, right there. Yeah, went to Laura Angles Wilder uh, school, which is also right. down, down the street. Um, yep, you get it. So it, that was for me uh it hit home, you know. Um I don't know why any other Minneapolis police murders never hit home the way that George Floyd did. Um hmm. yeah. but I'm I'm I am glad that um but even everything that I've I've, I've been through, uh, I've seen. I wouldn't change it for the world um, because it's made me. I know a better person. Uh, even the people that I've I've met, and I've met some incredible, incredible people. I just hate the way that I've met them because um, under the circumstances, it's always, um, you know, a traumatizing period, or you know. Yeah. Um, of, of meeting people. So I, I know that just, it hasn't been easy, but I know the, the, the journey of just wanting to, to be something different, to show something different. Uh, and that's what really pushed me into uh, an, an area of what we want to call journalism, you know, because journalism is what it is. You know, uh, I think we, i'm i lean more now towards um uh, independent media uh than you know c n n Fox nine mm-hmm. you know or anything like that so I'm grateful for the you know king demetrius's uh mercado georgia Ford, unicorn riot uh and there's so many of them you know even though uh a lot of people like to see them as uh, weapons of the left or you know weapons of the right. I just look at it as as media.
2: I wanna I wanna touch on that really quick actually because uh, it's a good thing and a bad thing. It we we need balance and media um, journalism is a is a check and balance in our system of our so called democracy. Right, we the people are supposed to check. What's going on around us, and a uh, media is is a way to do that. Now, if there's far right entities like Fox News and so on and so forth, we we're talking about truth, truth social and whatnot. Um, these entities can
3: blast
2: the left and liberals and black and brown people and poor people and all disenfranchised communities all they want to, and it's supported. It's it's emboldened, right? there needs to be a balance. And right now there isn't a balance. There's a chasm, right? And what I'm seeing, what we've seen in my opinion since 2020 is that void, a a frenzy of people jumping in to fill that void in a number of different ways, bad or good, however you wanna view it. But Aaron, you spoke on, you know, the King Demetrius and the Georgia Forts and uh, the Mercados, and however people wanna look at these different entities, People have grown in their own way and what inspired them to take part in this movement is what we should look at, not where they're at currently, but with that being said, where everyone is currently, everyone kind of branched out to do their own thing as far as like the reflection of them or how they view um, doing their part in, in this movement, right? We all, even the three of us here as independent journalists, we all have our own twist of how we put out content. And that's important in one. But also, I think it helps to fan out that check and balance that I'm talking about as far as having so hard line entities for the far right and a voice for the far right. There is no far left there is no progressive like big mainstream. I mean, there's democracy now is, is what I'm a huge supporter of. Um, there's breakthrough news. There's these little entities. who have got unicorn riot and, and status coup. And, you know, but I think that all of us as, as separate, different little entities doing what we do best for ourselves is that, that check and balance. And I think that that's what's important. And so that brings me to a question for you, Aaron. Um, Is is that something that, like, has has kind of transpired for you? Like, when you jumped in this move or you got inspired um, from 2020, like, have you found, like, your niche uh, with your reporting? What is it? And um, how do you intend to use that tool uh, to put out the narrative to the world um, in tandem with like the kind of reporting that me and Chaz do, or that, you know, your Georgia forts and your Mikados do.
1: Great question. Um, to me, you know, I mentioned like one of my biggest drives was, you know, I felt like I had kind of access to this community that I grew up in this area that I grew up in. It felt very personal, felt very home. You know, I, I told one of the, you know, people that kind of started George Floyd Square, I mean, that whole thing started by, you know, sort of people just showed up and they just started cleaning up garbage off the street, Uh, you know, just saying this is like a sacred space. And it just really snowballed, you know, from there and people just handing out masks. And I'm from that area, you know, so like I when I came out of the, you know, isolation and whatever, and I started showing up there, I started well, and when I was watching all the live streams, too, I just I saw so many brilliant messages, just brilliant speakers. I mean, just some of the most intellectual speaking I've ever seen. Right. And, um, I really just had a desire to capture those messages and bring them to, like I said, white people or people that I And a full disclosure. I graduated from Hopkins High School, so it's the alternative program. But like. Very white, very culture, uh, college culture centric. Now, by the time I got there, I was like a teenager. I was like already skipping school and whatever. But anyways, I wanted to get messages to them. And so, you know, my dad raised me. He um, is from a rough, depressed Michigan town. He grew up without a dad in the 50s and 60s. And he always told me growing up, that I was his one man revolution. And, you know, I don't believe in that necessarily. It takes all of us, but I have been just filled with all these messages my whole life and where I fit in to get to your like real core of your question and how I see myself is, is there's already a Georgia Ford. She's great. She's killing it. Um, There's already these different, you know, there's a mercado and he's catering to a, he's got his own crowd. And, where I didn't know really where I fit in. It's like anything, like you just get out and you kind of start doing it. And then you realize, well, maybe live streaming isn't for me, you know, because I, maybe I'm more like, I want to really focus on the quality of it and just really editing it down. And over time, you know, it's, it's like anything. It's like being a teenager again. It's like, you really find where you fit in and how you're the most effective. And where I found I'm the most effective is by editing media getting the sound and and the quality right you know in a way that's presentable and then using that using like their voice to communicate like sort of what i'm thinking like from the things that i learned from my dad and growing up in the south side you know
0: you know um as we were talking about that the just the, the whole journalism piece and and the activism, it brought me to a a, a clip that you actually filmed um, with somebody that we highly respect. Uh, rest in heaven, uh, Mel Reeves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's yeah. been brought up numerous times on the the Urban Conservative, uh, the Leon Black. And name rings bells, and not only just Minneapolis, um, but all over the world that people knew. Um, Mel Reeves and um, this clip that we're about to watch here is about Kelvin Horton um, and, and I really, I don't know if you remember that, you might be a little bit better than I am <laughs> um, but if just any because um, I do remember this um,
4: mm-hmm.
0: w- when it happened with, with uh, Kelvin and You know, Mel went into some very good points that people weren't really looking at. They just were so quick to blame it on peaceful protesters Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just really looking at the problem for what it really was. um, And even still that even with, you know, Kevin Horton, uh, no justice there, which, you know, as a black man. um, We should never have to get used to, but. You know, being 45 years old, uh, and just seeing with Tyree Nichols, uh, Mm-mm. and then having to go through Rodney King and you know, Mm-mm. even Mm-mm. with Emmett Till. So it's, uh, something that we just as you know, black are desensitized to. But, um, i play this clip. I'm only gonna play like two minutes of it because I think that's where the, the greatest context that, Excellent. uh, of the point that I uh, was going to trying to get into
5: <laughs> words of wisdom. Uh, come on up, Mel Reeves, he's a journalist, a reporter, excellent writer, um, just well studied and always uh, willing to share his knowledge and his experience. Um, I personally I I appreciate you, Mel, um, and you know what you do, get it in. All right. uh, get- you should give yourselves a hand, uh, first give yourselves a hand, go ahead, do it, let's do it, give yourselves a hand, it's okay, and um, give a hand to the folks who organized this, I think, yes, uh, and the of the family, because people could have forgotten about Calvin Horton, in fact that's that's kind of the point of what's going on, um, that they want people to forget about Calvin Horton heard somebody say, long as people remember your name, as right, long as folks remember your name, you still live on. And this family clearly has not forgotten their loved one. We live in a society, y'all, where we've got to start doing some thinking. We've got to start paying attention to what's really going on. Um, if you pay attention to news lately, you see the United States is talking about getting involved in the affairs of Cuba and Haiti and other places, right? And, okay. and so in order to get involved, involved in the affairs of other countries, that's saying that you got your affairs in order, right? That's kind of what it says, right? So, right? So how can they get involved in Cuba's affairs and Haiti's affairs when they don't have their affairs in order here? How can they talk about human rights and civil rights when they don't treat us as human beings here, right? Well, we can't even get our civil rights. Civil rights are just what you've earned just by growing up in the society, right? Human rights are the rights that you have just by being a human being. And they have denied Brother Horton his civil and his human rights, and they have already allowed him to be murdered. And make no mistake about it: somebody said it earlier. This was like a—it it was a murder. It was like a lynching, and and it was an injustice because you know, after after George Floyd was killed, they spent a lot of time talking about us, you know, people rioting and causing problems and that kind of thing. But they they just glossed over the fact that in the middle of that, it wasn't us that was rioting. It was white
0: supremacists that burned down a lot of Lake Street. Don't know again. I and there were white That for me, right there, um, and that was just a short clip of, you know, male. Um, but the context of that, it was people were so caught up in not what we were out there fighting for, but what were we were out there marching for is what they were the peacefulness it was because it wasn't from what i remember and i was out there um you know lake street you know third precinct i was there when it went up i was there when autozone first went up with umbrella man um and i will say like this i didn't see people that were out there that wanted justice accountability and transparency throwing cocktails um we wanted what everybody else wanted in America justice so um that i, I really do appreciate it and honestly there was an, another clip that i I, I want to get into too with um another uh guy that I look at another man black man that I look at as a mentor Thompson um and this was took in during um <clears throat> Uh, days. Uh, I think it was maybe.
4: Hold
0: on. I'm new to this. But I want people to also listen because John really got into context with this. And this was, if I can see the date. April seventh, uh, twenty. This last year, um, mm. and if I remember correctly, this was the day that she was Potter was sentenced. Um,
1: yeah. So yeah, about so.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I I do remember this day very clearly, and I watched this clip this morning, and I thought back of John's words, and it was crazy because I think honestly. After April seventh, we lost two more people to police uh, violence in, in Minneapolis, and he he clearly states it that it was going to clearly happen again, and that there wasn't going to be anything but basically what we keep on getting. Uh, so I really wanted people to to pay attention today, and you really got some great clips I, from that just make me reminiscing, honestly, just to think like it was just yesterday. Uh, So I really do appreciate that.
1: I appreciate you saying that. Um,
4: We'll be here again. We'll be here again. I'm not psychic, I'm just black. Because of laws and statutes that are put on the books to defend this type of action. As a chef, and I'm not a chef, by the way, but a chef. I can't feed you seafood and you're to see when you lose your life because I'm going to jail. As an airline pilot, as an airline pilot, I can't crash land the an airplane and somebody die because I'm going to jail. When y'all going to hold police accountable when they crash land, when they botch no-knock warns? And I tell y'all what to do. I tell y'all what to do. Because we can't beat the law, let's change the law. Let's put our names on these books and challenge these lawmakers and these seats. And Remember who disappointed you today because they'll be knocking on your door tomorrow, asking for you to vote for them. You'll remember these people, stop voting for these people time and, time and time and time again. Or you're comfortable with what you're getting. Pardon my brass delivery, but you'll get more time for killing a dog than you will get for killing a black man here in this state. You'll get more time for kicking a dog. you time for more time for kicking a dog than you will for killing a black man in this state. It is okay. An open season on black people. The same man who's in this doggone police report that killed a male life, the same man. Part of the team of people says time to go hunting. Who's he hunting for? Who's he hunting for, another out of shootout? Okay. Minnesota, we have a police problem. Yeah. And until you admit that we have a police problem, Listen. we're gonna keep on having a police problem. You think these people wanna be out here in the rain, Hell snow? No.
0: You cannot sit up here and tell me that oh, it's. Um, you know, he, he, I stopped that there because. Weather conditions. We live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and. This brings to a great, um, point of, of, to why I wanted to interview you and the homeless encampments, um, the documentary, they sleep among us. You have when we talk about police, we don't just see the police brutality, we see that police are weaponized um, against community members. Uh, And and that's what I I, I really want to get into because John bring up some brings up very good points. And from your experience of, you know, he brought up, and this was last April, and we just went through an election, uh, and we have a mayor who said he was going to end homelessness <laughs> in, in 2017, and, it, you know, we have politicians that are running off of these promises of ending homelessness and and stopping, the, you know, at least preventing gun violence, but yet we don't see none of that. We can't even get them to vote properly for us we the people but we see them do it for corporations or llcs and that's what really what i want to get off into when we talk um uh, get into they sleep among us because you have been at numerous uh city council meetings uh, you have been at numerous press conferences uh and I really wanted your to to really start it off is how do you feel from covering everything that you've covered and to see the climate that we are in politically, do you ever feel like we're ever going to get anywhere with the way that we keep going?
1: Man, I... uh. Wish I had an answer that anyone wants to hear, but no, I don't. i uh basically, here's what I'm seeing is, you know i I started I've, well first of all, a little more about my background. I've experienced chronic I call it homelessness about myself, um, pretty much my entire adult life on and off. Um, and what you know, let's talk about what does homelessness mean, or what does that look like, or being unhoused? What's the difference between homelessness and unhoused? And why are people saying we should now call it this instead of that, et cetera. And let's go to that just real quick because yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, you know, all right. So long before I was physically disabled, I didn't know that I have invisible disabilities. I am ADHD diagnosed. I have depression. Um, That is actually a qualified psychological disability. We don't think of it in these terms. So is anxiety. Um, and so these things, you know, they hold me back. When I, my whole life, I would go to job interviews and stuff, and I would know I'm different and not know why or how. I would just know that they always picked somebody else that was had their it together, you know, and probably had like nicer clothes or something. And I just never understood why. Like, I always didn't just didn't understand it. And I learned a lot about that since becoming physically disabled and becoming a disabled rights activist in that journey. But, um, You know, being homeless for me meant my roommate moved to L.A. and took a sublease on the apartment above us. This was in New York City. And, um, you know, that's just how he made his money for a couple months until we got an eviction notice under the door. And so did the people upstairs. So, you know, I was in New York City. I was 21 at the time. It was right after nine eleven. This was like 2003, something like that. And I was actually, this was three blocks below Ground Zero where I was living. Huh. It, was, it was very cheap down there afterwards. There was uh, government grants. Actually, there was all these artists living on Wall Street, which is, you know, for a different conversation, it was an interesting time. But um, I got kicked out of that place. I had nowhere to go. I had no credit. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have my first credit card until Wings Financial Credit Union gave me a $500, 8% Not to give him a plug or nothing i'm just saying i I was like 32 when i had my first credit card so getting apartments getting like anything that requires credit was not um my that wasn't a reality for me it was a reality for everyone else but not for me and um so i couldn't just get an apartment and also in new york you need first second last deposit plus you got to pay like broker's fees and it costs like 10 15 grand plus just to move into like a studio apartment you know, or even roommates or whatever. I mean, you're talking serious money. So now you're confined, like most people are confined to like subletting, you know, whatever. So now I was trying to sublet, but there, I didn't have enough for a deposit. And I didn't have like rental history. No, I was kind of new to New York. So I didn't really have a lot of like, and this is 2003. Not everybody just had an iPhone. You know what I'm saying? So like, or even necessarily a cell phone. So I uh, I was, you know, roughing it. I was new in the city. I was going to a lot of parties, meeting a lot of people. And I would just end up going to the after hours at their place and partying all night and crash on their couch. And that's, that's kind of how I lived for like 20 years, actually. But uh, that said, that's in my background. And when we see these encampments today, you know, what I see is many people who are like me. I see myself in all of them. And... I see them banding together for safety in numbers, um, especially with the elements being what they are here in Minneapolis. You know, it's easier to pool resources, or even just to a- have access to resources if there's several of them in one place. You know, so you know, because now they're not just some person that's unseen living under a bridge. It's like, oh, that's the encampment on 29th and 14th, or Cedar Riverside, or you know, whatever. You're like, people are familiar. With the camps so there's entire drives for you know clothing and everything to even specific camps so you know these camps are a result of um our economic conditions first of all i mean when the cost of housing goes up the number of people who can't afford housing goes up and it has to do with people like me who are disabled um I think you mentioned something about the City Hall um, press conference, so I don't want to like blow that up if that's what you're talking about, but but in short, um, disabled people, according to a recent survey, 47% of people uh, asked self identified as being too disabled to work. And what that means is you qualify for social security disabilities like myself. Three years after becoming disabled, too disabled to work, I'm still without a check. I have to appear in front of a judge. I have to be tried. I have to be followed by private investigators for the rest of my life. And this is to get less than $10,000 annual because they have not adjusted um, social security disability benefits since 1972. So disabled people are living in 1972 standards, you know, whatever, but in 2023 housing market. So... Uh, I was just talking
2: with Chaz earlier about how the fact that our wages haven't even been adjusted. um, We're essentially still making the same that we've been making since 1978.
1: I mean, that's with adjustments. But imagine if you were making, like, actually had never even gotten a raise since 1972. And that's a year before Roe v. Wade. You know, just to put this all into timeline, you know, how bad it really is and how invisible people with disabilities truly are. So that was forty-seven people percent of people, excuse me, forty-seven percent of people that self-identified. Now, keep in mind, there are things like I mentioned earlier, psychological disabilities. People like myself that didn't understand how being neurodivergent was affecting my uh, chances at living. You know, we got people like my aunt. <laughs> hey, thank you. We got people like my aunt, who's uh, paranoid schizophrenic. She's been homeless on and off my whole time growing up here in the Twin Cities. She does does she necessarily know that she's schizophrenic and that it's not the rest of the world, you see what I'm saying would she self identify as being self uh, self identify as being too disabled to work in my opinion no, she wouldn't because it's everyone else and that's the problem with psychological disabilities so a lot of people living in these camps they're just disabled people like me who probably yeah. are in my similar situation and you know I'm trying to get the mayor I find out today actually if he's interested in being in my film but Oh, okay. I don't want to say too many bad things. <laughs> I'm like, All right, that said, but that said, there is a major disconnect from our city and from our people in this, in, in what I've seen.
0: Well, you know, you, you, not to bring up to so much the mayor, but uh, do you feel like there's a because you, this last election, you know, the people in Minneapolis voted for strong mayor, yeah, um, which is to me uh has been i see a lot of confusion um uh, within the city government with of uh, who it, it feels like the blame game you know oh, pointing fingers cool. yes it um is. you know that it's and honestly we have some very good council members uh in minneapolis uh I just don't feel like when it comes to the legislative part of it, I don't feel like there's enough done, you know. Um, and just even going back to with elections and you know things, these people ask us for our, our vote, but yet they come out for press conferences, but yet when we really need them, they're nowhere and and in, 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 in sight. Uh, and I know for, you know, part of of your documentary, have elected officials been supportive? Have you? Because uh, I'm just thinking of the districts that, you know, like Osman, Have you reached out to uh, Jamal Osman?
5: I reached uh, out to
0: Jamal. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah. Um. And have, have you had any luck with
1: with so, any of uh,
5: them?
1: So I have, surprisingly. Um I I'm kind of back and forth if I want to go on about names cuz in my head I'm kind of like there's actually kind of a lot of division in our city hall and I Right. I think it's important to know who stands where but I also think like part of becoming educated is like seeking out that information and really not just hearing it from me. You know what I mean? Right. No. So, I, I, and I, I also kind of want to say like I kind of want to treat city hall as a institution that is of itself so i'm 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 gonna choose not to name names and and i don't want it to be a popularity contest also because there are good people on both sides of this topic there are council members from neighborhoods that are heavily impacted by a declining economy and simultaneous real estate boom and um that are against the camps and there are people that are council members in similar conditions in their district who are heavily like supportive and i'm saying they show up to the camps and they check it hey are you good and it's not when cameras around the the residents are telling me this they're like dude no one is around and they just come in sometimes and they're like i'm such and such like you know you got coffee or you know they're trying to help by themselves. And I just have a lot of respect for that. So I would encourage more council members to be like those individuals. Um, But that said, you know, I really want to break down this topic, my movie, I don't want it to be propaganda, I don't want it to be you know, you watch it, and you're like, it's just heavily one sided, you know, where I feel we're gonna address this topic and situations like this topic is through conversation and education and really understanding You know, people have this narrative that's just out in the wild that it's all, um, I hear this all the time. It's mostly just drug addicts and the mentally ill. Oh, man, like, let's break that down for a minute. All right, first of all, what is the mentally ill? Are those criminals? Did somebody break a law? They woke up, they're like, dude, I'm going out today and I'm going to be mentally ill. No. Like, you know what I'm saying? My aunt that I was just talking about, like, growing up, she would, like, hit me up or not hit me, like, I would see her in the holidays or something and she would be like, yeah, like, I, I go to a lot of singles dances, you know, it's like a before Tinder, you know, these people would go to, like, see cover bands and, you know, mingle with other singles, you know, whatever. And she had this whole conspiracy theory that there was a group of everyone at these singles dances that were all, like, connected with each other and throughout all of our city, like, they were planting these kind of different you know pit traps along the way so she, the one time she's like yes i was getting on a city bus and this large woman bent in front of me and farted in my face and i knew and i'm not making that up i know it's a silly story but it, it is a silly oh, story i was like 10 when i heard that believe me i laughed it's okay but um you know she was like and i knew it was them you know what i'm saying and first of all that's not against the law um there's no reason to go to jail for thinking that and second of all there's no reason to have to live in the outdoors in Minnesota where it can get wind chills of minus 50 in the winter time. And let's not like forget the summertime, it can be 110 degrees. So right. these are very unlivable conditions. And why are we demonizing people with, again, psychological disabilities? People are not born deciding to become this like incredibly challenging way of living life. Nobody makes that decision. And also- Aaron, hey, let me ask
2: you this. like, What are the three- what are the three different, um, things that you are looking to accomplish with this specific documentary? And I'm, and I'm going to follow up a question with that too.
1: Yeah. You know, my specific thing that I want to, I want to break it down and say, Hey, you know, the, you're like your comfy couch that's in, um, an affluent suburb, maybe, um, how are you hearing the messages of the people experiencing this every single day? Because you're not gonna leave that couch and come into an encampment where you're probably scared of germs or being robbed and this and that and the other things. So um, how can I bring these messages to them? And then also, so that's number one. Number two, what am I hoping to accomplish? I'm hoping to accomplish a safer path forward. I'm hoping to inspire conversations that actually um result in real solutions that are saving lives um if i had to pick a number third it would be just the general importance that people are people and we don't need to like demonize you know segments of our society to feel better for ourselves or you know just like what what really are the causes of this i mean that's i guess that all three in one right there what is causing this and what is the solution
0: Oh, wow. you make
1: it right.
0: No, ahead, and Jack. you you do. You make very good points. And there was, I know, and I don't know if to part with. I think his name was King. Yeah. Um I don't. I, I can't really decipher it back word for word. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to. I want to just play this clip real quick. And there's another one that I want to play. Um, that is and maybe this will help you uh it is with the woman um with the uh, safety jacket on yeah angel angel okay I didn't yeah. know I didn't know her name so those are I just wanted those are the two clips i'm 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 gonna play yeah Um. Uh, but so I'll get into King first because this hit really home with me uh the words because I think a lot of people stereotype exactly uh, what homelessness is uh, and what, and what it looks like. Um, Mm. Yes. That's what I, and that's why I'm I'm excited for your documentary as well um, for the simple fact that you're showing uh, a side that people, aren't always either comfortable to go into or they don't feel like they want to help, but they're, they're scared because of the the stigmas and the, the stereotypes and the labels uh, behind homeless people. So um, I play this clip real quick and I didn't even share it yet. I'm like, like usual. <laughs>
1: You got it, right? Yeah.
3: (laughs) You know, and I choose who's going to come. But what you're going to see on this movie is what's really going on. And we're going to document what's really behind the scenes, which you don't see on both sides. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not on the street no more. I chose to go. And get my straight man so i'm on a narrow path trying to get mine in order it's a, it's it's hard out here for a lot of people and wearing that burden that weight of so many people that are lost addicted strung out you know what i'm saying i was with them, amongst them a part of them one of them but it almost drove me radicalized bro it almost made me mad bro i was drove me insane bro but i know one thing though i kept a strong mind because i kept my faith and i stayed looking forward to the good knowing that there is something to look forward to but i know the truth that it's only gonna get worse
2: talk about it talk about it he said that beautifully because he's right like in this day and age you have to have a strong mind you also have to have a, a, a sensitive mind a, a delicate Man. outlook but also um yes. a positive outlook but also be realistic and know it's only going to get worse so what are we going to do about that and i have i have two questions for you because there's one thing that you did touch on Um, that, that we kind of just jumped over real quick and it's very important. I think it's very true and it speaks to the core of like what you do, but, um, also what is your style of journalism and what you do like with this, uh, documentary, for example, um, and the kind of things that I've seen you talk about and do with your journalism. Why is it important today?
1: Oh,
0: Mm.
1: I appreciate being on here. Wow. I, I you know I like there's like all these types of journalism I guess right like there's like investigative journalism and they're like really asking the hard-hitting questions and like I think there's a place for that and then there's you know obviously we got you know what we call now the mainstream media and um you know can we trust them they're being funded by you know their advertisers and then their advertisers they got their hands you know, dipping into dropping off, you know, giving our politicians a pound, basically, you know what I mean? So, right. Um, it's like, I, I call myself, and I, I didn't invent this term, I, I had to Google it to see if I did, and I did not, but I call myself a street journalist, you know, just like we got Ugh. street medics, and we got everything, I'm a street journalist, I'm just giving, t- I'm giving to you what I'm seeing, where I'm from, because, you know, look at this Beautiful picture. I took that in Alaska. My my grandpa lived there, and he passed away. And I went there for his memorial. You know, rest in peace. Whatever. I'm at peace. But it's a beautiful picture. And where I'm going with this, I know that seems out of the blue. But um, no, that, that's real. Uh, all right, all right. So what I, what I want to say though is like, right? Like I got friends in like here's Alaska, right? Like, or maybe the better analogy could be like California. Like I'm in Minneapolis. What is the weather like? outside here in Minneapolis, but if I'm talking to my friend in California, and I'm like, what's the weather? And they're like, dude, it's 70 degrees. And I'm like, No, there's snow on the ground. What are you talking about? Which one of us is right? Which one of us is wrong?
2: You
4: know, Mm -hmm. we're just saying what we're
1: seeing. So what I'm trying to do with my journalism is I'm trying to show the world what I'm seeing, so that you can have an informed conversation. And we can talk about it because you could be in New York, the epicenter of capitalism, where it trickles down onto a street level, And you get people like jay-z coming out of their culture but you would never get a jay-z coming out of minneapolis because we're just a different culture that's all it is right so um that's really what i'm trying to do with it you know i'm trying to start these conversations i'm trying to inform people i'm trying to bring you into the encampments i'm trying to bring the encampments to you you see what i'm saying
2: right wow that's powerful you just painted a picture for me uh and with that being said i think you'll probably do the same with this next question because it's something that the three of us speak on a lot. And I think a lot of people ask questions, the basic question, because they don't understand what is houselessness, being unhoused versus being homeless or or, or
1: homelessness. Yeah, right. Yeah, I started to say something I just but But um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so, you know, this is all just like kind of how I see it, right? Like I'm not, you know, but I is from what I understand and what I've experienced and what I've seen. I, I, you know, I say I was homeless because I was couch surfing. I was um, I have slept on the streets before, but I've never lived on the streets, which I'm thankful for. But um, I, uh, I didn't have a home. All my stuff was in storage and I was living wherever the night took me, basically. But these people in encampments, they live in tents. And they're saying like look you know what is the definition of a home is it a mansion is it a three bedroom two bed two bath you know little bungalow is it a apartment what's a home you know you can say what a house is you can say what an apartment is but what's a home so for a lot of people their tent is their home and they say you know i'm unhoused because they don't have a house but they do have a home and um that really just feeds into kind of i think calling it that is important in this situation, because it really frames what is happening in these evictions, you see, you know, it, what what I see when I see it is I sort of see like stories we hear growing up of like old five hundred years ago. Think Braveheart or like maybe references in like the Bible or some kind of like kingdom, etc. You see the king's soldiers going into these poor villages and and lighting them on fire and destroying all their belongings and. You know, all these like terrible things. Well, I have been filming these now for a year and a half. Um, and that's what I see is I see the King's soldiers going in and destroying up all their belongings. You know, I've seen people saying, ask, pleading with me to go talk to the cops because I'm white and I got, you know, whatever. It's, it's real, dude. And so like they're like begging me and they're like, can you please go like get my um, antibiotics? I've got an infection on my hand. And I can't, uh, you know, I can't get my antibiotics. They won't let me in. And they didn't let them in, you know. And they just destroyed it all in front of them. Slowly, in a garbage compactor. So, and they have nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. They just end up in a new encampment eventually. If they survive that long, being by themselves, that's also real.
0: No, wow. and that, that is very real. Um, I want to... You have pictures and I know what encampment this is. This is, which is no longer there, but this is, um, was out by Home Depot. This was the quarry, right? They called the yeah, the quarry. Can you guys see that? i Am I sharing?
2: Yeah, hold on. Let me zoom in for everybody. I think we lost connection from- Oh, what, Aaron? Yeah, from aaron he froze for a second and then he lost so let's just wait and yeah. see if he okay. can hop back into the the uh backstage but yeah i i do remember this uh footage as well he did like a drone shot from this right
0: that he's yeah. Like, yeah yeah He did a drone but this was i just wanted to go through the pictures um and i think maybe only had two pictures on this But just to see the the size, uh, honestly, and this one was here for exactly two and a half years. It was by a Home Depot, um, and and I just feel you know even this this uh, this week they have. Uh, so there we go. There. We go. Oh, there we go. All right. Now we're back. You can, hear me. can you hear us, Aaron?
1: I can hear you. Can you hear me?
0: Yep, we can. I can hear you. All right.
1: All right. Cool. Cool. Sorry about All that. Right.
0: So the the post that I, I, I brought up is from the quarry. Um, and I know for a lot of the encampments had been out there, they weren't just newer ones. They had been for, some of these had been up for years. Uh, and I think because of the the way that Star Tribune, Fox, WCCO, CBS, all our local stations, the way that they even, I'll even put Crime Watch in it, uh, put out this narrative that the violence in those areas comes from surfaces from the encampments and i would have to say that's a a lie um yeah there is you know violence but there's violence everywhere it doesn't matter where we live at uh there's instances there's bad people uh but to put it on a label on everybody uh is what really bothers me because i don't know if you had ever been to the I remember and what a lot of people don't understand is how a lot of these things that aaron does is aaron isn't a nonprofit. he uh is seeking solidarity and what is something that is called mutual aid um and, and i don't think people honestly recognize sometimes people don't recognize the difference between mutual aid and what a nonprofit is because mutual aid is people coming together, um, regardless of resources, but trying to find resources and, and helping others. Um, so that's why I really got into uh really following Aaron because of the mutual aid work that he does, and not only just but just the people that he works with, M with um home base um I'm just trying to give shout outs yeah, to yeah. the your yeah. New yeah. New people man you know what I'm saying you know here uh, uh, yeah yes yes C-U-A-P-B uh Murin uh I hope yep. I said her name right um, yeah yep. Murin
1: yeah I don't we're all so I just on that
0: one. I I appreciate it because of the simple fact that and and I hope that people learn what mutual aid is as well and I hope that people that's what i'm excited for because i know the way that i watch your content i i learn from it and it's very knowledgeable it's thank you and it's easy format if we want to put it into let's say like the doctor uses it layman's terms uh you you and i hate to say dumb it down but you make it where it's easy to learn if that makes sense um and that's why I'm, I'm really, really, and I know I'm going to say this again, probably repeat it every time I talk about your documentary, but I'm very excited because I love seeing another side that isn't shown. Uh, and that's what journalism should be about is changing the narrative um, because the narrative always is not the same. Um, and that's, I just, I know I'm not great at asking questions. I'm probably a bad interviewer. Um, no, this is great. <laughs> you know, I, I just really, I am so, so grateful. Um, and I didn't, I don't have any of the, I tried to find the actual trailer that you had put up um, for it. Cause I, I still don't, I know I, my show is usually an hour, but I'm going extra a little bit longer today with you. Um, yeah, I got a little time. Yeah, so if it's okay I just wanted to go I know it's usually about an hour but just like an extra 20 minutes
1: let's do it that's cool okay. I can give you until 1230 I gotta be somewhere at 1 but...
0: alright so yeah. I, if I can I know I went on to the Sleep Among Us um, page on Instagram yeah. and I even tried to find it on YouTube but I couldn't but I think it's this yeah, one yeah
1: I gotta be Got to get better at that. I'm doing a lot by myself right now, so yeah, no, nope, this is got a, a liar. Um, the you can uh, it's actually on the it's pinned on the uh the first the one Instagram. Yeah, I think it's the first one. I moved it okay. around a little bit because I'm trying to kind of I'm playing around with the format of the Instagram page, but it's got like a letterbox and it looks. I think it's like the skyline let me is like something.
0: Share, yeah. Oh, oops. Oops. let me add to the stream. So.
1: Yep, it's that first one.
0: This one? Okay, so yeah, I'm going to really play this important. real quick. Yeah, yeah.
3: Go ahead. Go for it. All right. The go Minneapolis. You
4: have the capacity have the to act.
3: I think it's the sole
4: responsibility of the city of Minneapolis to deal with this. The people within and cats
2: our homeless encampments are still set up outside of minneapolis city hall this afternoon
4: and that's following a
0: whoops i'm just trying to see i can make it tense bigger.
4: encounter between protesters People, and police I think on to make tuesday it night up a bit. you know People actually are calling i do so have a youtube link i'm just gonna message so
0: okay no that yeah, works it might be too better that way because, because yeah. that way yeah
1: yeah yeah i remember i did post the trailer on there and it'll take me only a second. I'm already pretty much there. Here we go. Boom. Share. All right. Thank you, everyone watching for uh, bearing oh, with us you. here. I'm going to hit you on uh, Facebook Messenger. Is that all right?
0: Yep, that's fine.
1: Oh, There you go.
0: And I'm going to send it to you real quick, Jonto. Because he's better at That's why he's a producer. Independent media,
1: but I am part also um, very involved with these camps, and I spent a lot of time meeting with the people in them and and showing up and just trying to, I'm filming a documentary so I've met a lot of people and just had a lot of conversations. And In my experience, what I've seen is that as also a disabilities rights activist, as a disabled person myself, is that many of these residents are just disabled people. a lot of these people can't work. There's a narrative that there's um, people are living in tents because of drugs. And, you know, a recent survey showed that about 50% of people living in camps are too disabled to work. They're like me. How do you live three years with no income? And yet here I am. How do I not end up in an encampment? I'm not on drugs.
0: give us some sound. Yeah. John's here. I'm just kidding. You better yell at me. I'm not sure what they're
1: doing. Is he froze now? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, is he all-
0: froze? I think, I think he Jeno's might be. Safe. He froze. No, he's not. I can see him moving. I think he's trying to get it set up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know a show is good if it's got technical difficulties. No, so. my like, bad. That was No,
2: that was my bad because I just played the whole thing but my mic was muted. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah, so let me go. (laughs) That's
1: what you do with independent media,
0: y'all. That's that's what you deal with with
1: independent media. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
4: Yeah. If you have the capacity you have the responsibility to act. I don't think it's the sole responsibility of the city of Minneapolis to deal with this. The people within the encampments themselves are not illegal. But they're human beings. They
2: are our laborers. Homeless encampments are still set up outside of Minneapolis City Hall this afternoon.
4: And that's following a tense encounter between protesters and police on Tuesday night. People are calling up the shelter hotline. There are no beds. They say, Ain't no love in these streets. When I'm not here, they can't say that
0: mm Yo, that was amazing, amazing work, right? You. And you it's know, more there, epic if you're,
1: if you got the surround sound or something, you know what I mean? I'm not trying. Right. <laughs> you
0: know, it, it, as, as being, you know, um, somebody who is currently homeless um and just you know we we stay in a hotel you know we're not in a tent or anything by the grace of god um but i know that per se even just for ourselves of the services of they said they give you these numbers to call and it's one big roundabout (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's like i call it a ponzi scheme
1: we it call kind of that? Is. Yeah, it kind of is. It probably actually literally is. Yeah. Right. Let me think. Let me break that one down a little bit. Wow. A
0: pyramid, a pyramid scheme. Yeah.
2: If you do one points to the other person. You go to them. They point to another person. Yep, that's exactly you got to jump happens. through all these hoops. It,
1: it's ridiculous. And they're all collecting funding. They're all making funding along the way. They're all... You know what I'm saying?
2: Because if they really wanted for us to get rehabilitated or for us to get the help that we need, they would just go ahead and give us a home and then help us. Like, there's other countries. There's an episode, I think it's by Second Thought via uh, YouTube, one of those uh, people on YouTube, very informative. They talk about how other countries, they give you the housing first. And then to keep that housing, you have to go through those hoops to get yourself together. You start off paying zero rent by the end of the year. You have to, or by a certain time period, you pay 100% of the rent and they help you throughout, whether it's mental health services, medication, therapy, a job to get you completely stable so by the end of that time period there shouldn't be any excuse as to why and if there is they can pinpoint that and help that too they take care of it all we don't do that here why because we really don't want people having home we want people on the streets or renting that's the name of the game in america in this capitalist system let's let's be clear we know what it is we're tired of trying to play their game. And f- for me at least, we asked you like what was your personal, like, w- why are you in this and what is it that you that you do? For me, I think that's one of the tools that we have. It, you know, it's it just being informative in general, because if we have a notch on our belt, a tool in our pocket of knowing what the hell they're doing to us overall, at the very least, do you know what I mean? What they're doing to us overall, we can at least have better thoughts and better actions, um, thinking better about what decisions we're making on a regular hourly basis. How am I going to, what better health decisions am I making as far as like, how am I eating? Am I packing my lunch? seriously though am i packing my lunch with things that are making me think clearer Mm. knowing that i'm gonna bust my ass at this warehouse job 12 hours and no i'm not gonna have a fucking life anymore but Mm. am i doing this to actually get ahead am i going to get ahead like the homeboy said in your documentary like we can be as positive as we want we need to be positive in this mind frame in this day and age however we still have to be realistic We have to be proactive in order to get ahead of them. This is the name of the game, right? So if we're, that's the only, let me start the basic. The only way we're going to get anywhere is to be proactive. Informing people is the way to do that. Because if they have something to to work with, they have a better idea of what direction they're going and how they can navigate this whole system. Do you know what I mean? And going back to the Ponzi scheme thing, The three of us have been through the hoops of this system knowing what kind of answers and what kind of resources we're going to be fed. Right. Yeah. We rely on our tenacity, our grit, our personality, our uniqueness, the things that we've done um, our entire lives and community, um, To get us where we need to go However Thinking about going forward That's not just enough You know We need more And I think Everything that we've spoke to today Like That's it in its totality I think that's a a bigger That's our calling That's a a big reason as to why At least the three of us do this You know What else can we fucking do? We've all At least the three of us here On this um, Webisode have are unique reasons as to why we're doing this but they're very similar and i mm-hmm. can't i can't help but imagine what everyone else's reasons are whether selfish or not whether actually doing they're, whether they're actually doing something to contribute in this movement or they're doing something just for the preservation of keeping their kids alive and making sure that their kids are educated properly and fed and bathed and clothed whether they're living out of their jeep in a hotel with their kids because it happens it's so common You know, like (laughs) we all in this day and age, in this world, in this country are doing something, whether it's hustling another day just to feed ourselves selfishly. I'm not judging because you know what I mean? Or whether we're spending day in and day out, not making an actual living, but broadcasting the truth. Because it's important, because we're finding out that there's young high school kids today that don't even know the difference between integration and segregation. How are we going to get anywhere?
1: Independent media. (laughs) Right. It's up to us. We, you know, we keep us safe. We inform ourselves. Listen, I grew up in South Minneapolis. They didn't listen. Oh, my God. I went to a school called Ramsey. All right. I didn't know who Ramsey was until after George Floyd got killed. Literally. Wow um i didn't know who governor ramsey is for everyone not living in minnesota he was the first governor in minnesota now don't you think a school named after the first governor of the state you're living in like don't you think you should teach who that is in that school right there's a reason they didn't teach us who he is and that's because he is the name him and actually abraham lincoln during during emancipation unfortunately um actually held the largest mass ex- execution in u.s history they uh lynched they hung uh 38 uh dakota men basically uh, simultaneously and then plus two additional ones uh after the fact so it was 38 plus two the last two were part of it but it was not simultaneous that was because alexander ramsey was pushing the indian removal act and trying to get all the dakota out of minnesota so you know he's a genocidal i don't even know monster like so we didn't even know who that was in the school so they're not going to teach us you know what i mean so we have to teach each other and that means that's right learning first learning so we can educate becoming educated so we can educate each other right exactly and that's what all this is that's what all three of us do imagine who we're bringing in right now you know right right
2: all of our unique modes and routes of the way that we bring our our viewpoints to the world is also what adds to it
0: because we can't all do it all no we can't no we can't and that's one thing um that i i sit here and i think about the situations um that we've experienced uh i just remember the times we in uptown you know um winston smith um you know of the pain the trauma and to just to sit there and experience it and then to verbalize it to explain it where people can not maybe Put themselves in that situation but to at least understand you know with compassion because that's why i i like documenting because i want to show people i want to change the narrative i want to put out a side that is Is regardless if it's the good, the bad, the ugly, but let's find out what that core issue is. We're not just going to call them lazy or alcoholics or drug addicts. No, let's get to the core issue of why is it? Because there wasn't no education. Is it because maybe they have a learning disability? Is it because they can't get their mental health under control? You you know what I'm saying? Nobody, I'm not going to say nobody but the powers that be don't like to get to the core issue no. well, you they, know, they don't like to, to get to the
2: core it. issue because they know the truth and they know if we knew the
0: truth yeah. that wouldn't be going on right no i i really i really really do um thank you aaron um if there's anything that um i I will be putting links of how to uh follow you um if there's any way that we can uh us at the leon block can support you uh in any form of fashion please don't ever hesitate uh to reach out for whatever it is um
1: you know likewise i appreciate that and i mean that too i'm not just saying like likewise like you know we're in the same scene we're in the same world we're in you know we're in some different struggles but we're struggling right with a lot of the same things and yep. um you know so likewise you know
0: so no and that's one thing that um who keeps us safe we, keep us, we safe. keep us safe and uh so i will continue doing uh supporting and standing in solidarity you know i know we've been at still probably be in the same areas might not even know it might be by surprise hmm. uh but i i do love the work that you're doing um and i hope that this your documentary does make the awareness that it that i hope that it does i hope that it changes the narrative. I hope that it starts conversations of how people can solve the core issues and not just keep on putting a bandaid over something. Um, because that's what we're seeing is a lot of band-aids and not enough expensive ones. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And not enough permanent solutions. You know, they're, they're, they're band-aid solutions and not something that is you know they, they leave it where the wound can open back up not where it can suture it and make sure that it, it at least if it opens back up it's going to be tough you know um yeah but i want to give you the, the the your final thoughts the last couple minutes i want you to the floor is yours all
1: right i appreciate it i feel like i'm it's like stepping up to open mic night or something. But I uh, i guess basically, you know, I would just like to piggyback on what you just said real quick because, like, you know, there's never going to be a solution. And I'll tell you why. is because cruelty is the point. I saw somebody in a comment just now, you know, talking about uh, what's wrong or right. And I don't want to be like, it's not bad because I'm not like – I'm not even trying to, like, say anything about that. But just a thought and something I've been kind of saying lately is that it's not – what's right or wrong it's what you can get away with and i think right now our city is and and all of ours and just you know i mean let's just go there like just i'm not trying to sound like a certain way but like just capitalism and the effects of capitalism on our medical systems on our justice systems departments whatever i think they all become money motivated by default and um so similarly you know we've got all these house unhoused encampments um, They don't want to necessarily solve homelessness because um, unhoused people, homeless people, the lowest class, you know, f- the lowest wealth class within capitalism serves a function, which is to mm-hmm. remind people how much worse things could be.
4: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, so when you're going to your seven dollar an hour job, you know, after you just got off your seven dollar and fifty an hour job. It's like you put up with that because you see how much worse things could get and maybe you have a kid and you don't want them being in that environment or whatever it is mm-hmm. so there's entire lucrative industries that are all intertwined um that you know there are nonprofit so-called um sort of segments that make money they have a very wealthy ceo you know what i'm saying like they're trying to stay in business also so if they don't got a product anymore what's their business you know what i'm saying so it's, it, um, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of initiative or what am I trying to say? You know what I'm, I'm trying, trying to say to though? Like you, they want to keep things a certain way because right. we serve a function on the lowest rungs. Yep. That's, that's really what I got. I'm sure i'll be in the shower later you know tomorrow like gosh <laughs> right right
0: right Let's, right, right. In the
1: comments i'll add more later maybe <laughs> you know
2: we <laughs> always i think we always have all as independent journalists there's all these things that we could always sit here and say um and as as you just said that i wanted to wrap up really quick and, and state really quick while we can do this so we can do a little more promo for you Uh, This was the Urban Conservative They Sleep Among Us interview with Aaron Johnson, uh, who is an activist and independent journalist out of the Twin Cities area, Minneapolis, Minnesota, who is bringing awareness to the issues surrounding houselessness, homelessness, uh, encampments in and around the area of uh, Minneapolis and what goes on. Definitely check it out. and stay tuned for more from him. He's a very powerful, um, not only just activist, but independent journalist, bringing you raw street journalism footage, as he likes to say. So please go ahead and check him out. Big shout out to Aaron Johnson. Thank you so much for being on our show, man. Appreciate yes. it. Please check out the documentary.
1: Thank you.
0: Yes, and as we always say on the Every Conservative, win or fail, freedom or jail, heaven or hell, Wish us well. (laughs) Every day, fighting
2: for my life. Every day,
0: fighting for my life. Fighting for my life.
2: Fighting for my bread. Grew from the seed you thought was rock. I think not. Fire for desire to rise above denial. To rise from former ashes to face a trial. Trial or, or triumph. I am enough. Trial to triumph. I am enough. Every day I fight for my life. Every day fighting for my life.